your ride ready for spring driving with Dobbs Spring Break Deals. Money saver deals you can use on Goodyear, Pirelli, Cooper, Michelin, and General Tires. Expert auto service, too. Click on GoToDobbs.com for spring break deals now. For over two decades, E&B Granite has been St. Louis's trusted name for kitchen, bathroom, and outdoor space renovations that are guaranteed to bring new life into your living spaces. Their skilled team will provide you with personalized customer service, fast turnaround times, and prices you won't find with big box stores. Support local and schedule free consultation at enbgranite.com or call them at 314-645-9300 or better yet, stop by the showroom and explore their massive inventory. Again, that's enbgranite.com. Get ready for winter driving at Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers with super deals on tires, including up to $200 on new Goodyear tires, plus oil changes, brakes, batteries, and more. For value and savings, click on gotodobbs.com today. Giving you the picture, the real big St. Louis sports picture. It's BK and Ferrario, live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Petriello is one of the best baseball analysts in the business. You can read his work over at MLB.com. Uh, you can find him on Twitter as well at Petriello. What it, I lost his. I can't believe I just at did. Mike underscore Petriello. Yeah, at Mike underscore Petriello. Hey, Mike, we always appreciate the time, man. Sorry for messing up the introduction. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Now I'm like seriously trying to see who just owns at Petriello to see who we're talking about here. <laughs> Yeah, ho- hopefully it's somebody that puts out good tweets because I just sent them a bunch of people to go in their way. Joins us via the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line as always. Hey, Mike, I wanted to catch up with you because you had a great piece the other day on Adam Wainwright. What's changed for him? How he's doing this at 40 years old? What did you find? What did you find most interesting in your research and kind of digging into the numbers of what Adam Wainwright has accomplished really since the start of last season? It's pretty cool, isn't it? I I assume you guys probably remember, you know, three years ago or so where he was starting at some of those late season games in 2018 after having been injured. And I just imagine that your phone lines were lighting up with, wait, we're trying to win games. Why are we letting him start right now? And that was actually where it started for me, I think, because when he came back at the end of that year, he started throwing his curveball more than ever, and he's really never stopped. And you think about Adam Wainwright, what do you think about? You think about the Uncle Charlie. And that's been kind of fascinating to me because – you know, you you look at modern baseball, he's not a high spin, high velocity, four seam, getting strikeouts kind of guy. That's just not his game. But the one way he does fit into the modern game is take your best pitch and throw it more. And I think everybody on the planet knows that his best pitch is his curveball. So even though like we're seeing the effects of this now, I really think this kind of started in those like late season starts at the end of 2018, which we didn't really notice at the time. Mike, he's tied for 13th in ERA. He's tied for third in wins. He's second in innings pitched. Uh, to me and to BK, at least this season, it, it, he's not going to win the Cy Young, but he definitely should get some votes. Where are you on this? I would agree with everything you just said. He's definitely not going to win the Cy Young, but he's got like a fifth place finish written all over him, you know, and that's pretty impressive considering how many years was it where we weren't sure if he was going to make the roster, make it through the season, make it in the rotation. But when you look at the National League, there's not an obvious favorite in my book. I think Walker Bueller is going to win it, you know, but Corbin Burns is in that mix and Wheeler and Woodruff and Scherzer and, and Kevin Gausman. And then I think Wainwright's like right there. He is going to get some down ballot support. 
going to be seven years since the last time he got Cy Young support, which I think is pretty interesting. And at the end of the day, when he comes in, you know, fifth, sixth, or seventh, that's going to be a pretty massive success for him at 40. It also brings up the question, we've been talking about this a little bit more uh, lately, Mike. Is he going to start garnering some legitimate Hall of Fame support? I I know it it sounds kind of odd because I hadn't really even given it a ton of consideration going into last year. But now you start looking at some of the numbers for him, and I know wins don't aren't what they once were, but if he comes back next year, it's at least possible he could get at or near 200 victories for his career. His ERA for his career is right around 3-3. Is he going to get kind of close to that level if he has one more great season the way that he has this year? I don't think so. I mean, he'll probably get a handful of votes. I don't think he'll get shut out or anything. But when you look at his case, I mean, first of all, there can't be that many starting pitchers who are in the Hall of Fame who never won a Cy Young Award. You know, and I know he finished second and third a couple of times, and obviously he had some great years. But it's hard to find guys like that. And then you you look at it from two different ways. Like the super traditional case, well, you know, 195 wins or whatever he might end up with is it's not a super high number. He's not going to end up with, you know, 3,000 strikeouts or anything like that. He's actually probably just going to barely make it to 2,000 this year. And then you look at the more advanced numbers, you know, uh, my friend Jay Jaffe, who writes for Fangraphs, has long had kind of a, a system to compare Hall of Famers against each other using both peak value and career value, you know, in terms of wins above replacement. And, you know, right now he's got him as like the 155th best starting pitcher ever, which is both a huge compliment and probably not quite up to the level of being a Hall of Famer. You know, if there is a Hall of very good first ballot into that, I just don't see him beating Cooperstown. Mike, is his style of pitching, Wayno's, is that a dying breed right now in baseball? Like, are we seeing the last of his type of pitcher? Um, I don't think so. I think we're seeing the last type of it until the next guy has the same kind of career path. Like, think of an ace right now and think about him in eight years or so when he doesn't quite have the same kind of stuff. Um, I think what he's doing, in some senses, is a little ahead of the curve and that he's relying on the, the two-seamer. And for a couple of years, that was super out of fashion. And you're starting to see it come back a little bit. You know, you're starting to see guys being able to use it. Uh, They play it off one of their breaking pitches that maybe goes in a different direction. And it's also pretty clear that he's in the right spot just because you look at the Cardinals defense and it is fantastic. You know, there's not a better place I'd rather pitch if I'm a guy who's sort of pitching to contact like he is than the St. Louis defense. So I think it's a kind of a team effort here. Like the curveball has been very good. He's done a phenomenal job of confusing hitters to get called strikes better than he's ever done before. But also when hitters make contact, they're just not finding the kind of damage they might with other defenses. That's the next thing that I wanted to ask you, kind of going a little more big picture on the Cardinals and just way no focus. The Cardinals pitching has really taken off. If you're looking at the ERA, some of those numbers since they traded for Jay Happ and John Lester, since they went with guys like TJ McFarland and Luis Garcia in the bullpen, And really the big change there is they're just throwing strikes. You're not getting as many walks guys on base as often as you previously did. Do you think this would work if they were a different team, Mike, or is this because they have such a tremendous defense that's playing behind them here in St. Louis? I think it's maybe two things. I think a lot of it is about the defense, obviously. And, you know, you all know the names, right? Arenado Goldschmidt, Bader's phenomenal. Um, I don't think you could have this kind of setup in front of a team with, uh, like, let's say the Phillies or the Red Sox. I think that would be a a monumental disaster. Mm -hmm. It works pretty well with the Cardinals. The other thing I was thinking, and, you know, I'm not trying to be the guy throwing cold water everywhere here, but you look at the Cardinals' second-half schedule, and it has been, you know, 
easy like Pittsburgh and KC and Pittsburgh and KC. And you look back, like really when they played the better teams, they lost two out of three to Milwaukee. Then they got swept by Atlanta and looking ahead, they have one of the hardest schedules in baseball. So I think the defense has helped. I think the soft schedule has helped and the defense will stay. It will still be great, but the schedule is going to turn around and it's going to make it a lot harder on these guys. Mike, I think a lot of people view this Cardinals team as can still get into the wild card, but don't expect them to do any damage in the playoffs. Where are you at on this team in terms of next season? Like, do you feel like this team is progressing in a way to become a world series contender? Or do you feel like they're just kind of sitting stagnant? I think a lot of it depends on what you're going to get from Jack Flaherty next year. I've, I've always been a huge Jack Flaherty fan. And two years ago, I guess it was when he had what seemed, you know, that second half, right. And it seems like, okay, that's the step towards this huge breakout. He's going to be in the Cy Young conversation every year. And for a variety of reasons, not all within his control, certainly it hasn't quite happened yet. You know? So if I look ahead to next year and I say, okay, Flaherty's that horse, he's my ace. He's going to throw me, you know, 180 fantastic innings. And I feel pretty good about things. If not, that's the thing is you're just not going to know. You're going to have a lot of uncertainty. So I look ahead to next year, and I can tell you the thing that I feel much better about than I did last year is the young outfield. I I did not think it was a good idea to come into the season with O'Neill and Carlson and Bader as the primary outfielders without really any veteran support. And I think that played out in the first half. Well, over the last month or two, you know, I know Bader hasn't hit much lately, but the, the trio of them, I think, are starting outfielders for next year. So if you can get another starting pitcher, and if you can get a middle infielder who can hit, I don't know if that's a second baseman or a shortstop or you move guys around, then I feel pretty good. Um, someone recommended to me on Twitter yesterday, and I hadn't thought about this, the most perfect fit on the planet is Corey Seager, right? A left-handed hitting shortstop, he's a good fielder. I don't know if they'll go spend that much, uh, but that would be the kind of guy who would really help push this team forward. Oh, you, that's basically been our show the last month, two months, three months, Mike, is which which of the shortstops makes the most sense. And we've all kind of landed on Seager because of the left-handed bat. Uh, speaking of the Dodgers, I was watching some of that game against the Braves last night. And when Will Smith came to the plate and he's batting eighth in their lineup, I was like, how do the Cardinals compete with this? He's a guy that has a 900 OPS on the season and he's batting eighth in their lineup. Meanwhile, the Cardinals batting eighth in theirs is Harrison Bader, who I adore. I love the guy. I think he's a good player. But how do the Cardinals close that gap hitting wise with a team like the Dodgers? It is. Is it as simple as you got to go make a big plunge for a guy like Seager? Well, you got to do all of it, really. I mean, you look at the Dodgers, I think people forget they even have A.J. Pollock on their team, and he's out there, and he's been fantastic, and he really should be their fourth outfielder if everybody's healthy. So, you know, yeah, you got to go get guys. you got to be able to get Pollock, and you got to be able to trade for bets and, and sign him. But that's it's not just money with the Dodgers. I mean, you look at their team, it's been Max Muncy, and it's been Chris Taylor. And, you know, it's been Will Smith and the Cardinals haven't necessarily had those kind of guys. And I guess you could say Edmund a little bit, but they haven't had a guy who's maybe uh, popped up way over their prospect value in a while. And I know that's what every team is searching for. That's what the Giants are doing fantastically. The Rays do a good job at that. The Dodgers do a good job at that. It is so much easier said than done, um, but it can't just be about going out and acquiring guys from other teams. It's about developing the guys you have, too. Final question that I've got for Mike Petriello of MLB Network and MLB.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Petriello. Who do you like for this second wild card spot in the National League? Nobody. Can I go? <laughs> I don't like anybody. I think that's the correct answer. <laughs> that's the very correct answer. 
Yeah, I don't like anybody. I think I'm sticking with the Reds just because I really like their lineup. You know, like they can hit probably, you know, I like their lineup better than I like the Cardinals. Um, I don't trust their pitching very much. I would love to say the Padres, but that team just looks like an absolute wreck. So I will say the Reds, but really I have no confidence in just about anybody. (laughs) Mike, we always appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today. People should go check out that piece. It's about Adam Wainwright, what's changed for him, how he's having so much success at an advanced age. It's over at MLB.com. Mike, all the best, man. We'll talk with you again soon. Thanks, guys. Take care. Peloton's best offer of the season is here. Get up to $300 off accessories when you purchase a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. Choose from a variety of accessories, like our cycling shoes, a heart rate monitor, non-slip grip dumbbells, and more. If you've been looking for a sign to join Peloton, this offer gives you everything you need to get going. This limited-time offer ends November 28th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All-access membership separate. Offer starts November 14th and ends November 28th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com. The Wendy's $3 breakfast deal is here. Get a bacon or sausage egg and Swiss croissant plus a small seasoned potatoes. That's a better breakfast for just three bucks in three easy steps. One, wake up. (sighs) Two, get out of bed. And three, head to Wendy's for your $3 breakfast deal. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's $3 breakfast deal. Limited time only. Participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hour. Select or request $3 breakfast deal in order to obtain discount. Not valid for all card or combos orders. Price and participation may vary in Alaska and Hawaii.